Welcome to 8 with 8, a podcast from Ohio State Support Team 8, where we share what's on our minds and what's in the research from the field of education. This is episode four in the season we've named Ramping Up Relationships, and today you're going to hear from one of SST8's educational consultants, Heidi Kraczynski, as she interviews one of our favorite PBIS experts, Stephanie Martinez. Stephanie is a technical assistant specialist at the Florida PBIS project at the University of South Florida. She's worked with so many schools during this time of remote instruction, and she has tons of great ideas about how to cultivate relationships, even when students can't be physically with us. Hi, everyone. It's me, Heidi, and I'm here with Stephanie Martinez to talk about fostering relationships with students in classrooms, especially during this time of remote instruction. So good morning, Stephanie. Hi, Heidi. Uh, I'm going to start with a personal question this morning, and then we'll get into the content. So um, I hope I don't catch you too much off guard. But I'm going to start with um, really, of course, acknowledging that the the pandemic right now is really tough. What relationship is getting you through this time? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, You know, I have family at home, but I would have to say my gym, (laughs) the people at my gym, because that is my escape every morning. That's how I start my day. And it's a small, same group of us. Um, And so it's nice to have somebody else outside of the home, you know, spending time with other people and we laugh and we joke and it's just a great way for me to start the day. So probably the other ladies at my gym. I think that's great. And I, and, and like you said, we're not really seeing people like we usually do. And I think that's a great way to be able to do that. So that surprised me your answer, but it's a great answer. I love it. <laughs> so our, our podcast theme this season is called Ramping Up Relationships. We have already talked about um, the large body of research on this topic in previous podcasts, but today we would like to hear your thoughts from what you're seeing in the field and from your perspective um, through the the, uh, the PBIS project that you're involved with, uh, the Florida PBIS project. So starting with um, what kinds of practices are you seeing or what can we do to employ to build relationships at tier one in remote settings? Okay, thanks Heidi. There's a couple of different things that I've seen schools do really well. Um, and this first one actually aligns really nice with the restorative practices. When we talk about circles there, we always say start with um, a greeting and a focus activity. And so some of our schools, when they start their school day remotely, they start with a fun question with the students. So something like, um, what was something that you did yesterday that you enjoyed? Or who is someone that is in our class that you miss seeing face to face? Or for some of our older students, they've had questions like, we know that you're home. How are you connecting with your friends outside of school during school time? So they always start with a fun thing just to get the kids having those conversations. You get to learn about the students. The students can learn about you as well. So that's one thing I've seen starting your day that way. Then we've seen some other opportunities where it's just downtime. So if it's at lunch, Teachers like you can leave and have lunch or if you want to stay and eat, I'm going to eat. And they just have fun conversations about whatever they want. So it's that down social time. I've seen some others do structured fun activities. So putting students in groups and they've got two minutes to come up with a TikTok video for our older students or maybe the younger students 
um, can do a dance party online or karaoke online. So still having the opportunity to earn some of those positive reinforcements, but there's a lot you can actually do on a computer and free. I've also seen bingo as well. Oh, I love that, um, idea. Love that idea. Yeah. Two other ones that I thought were, were kind of cool. One was um, a teacher who noticed that they were, they taught high school that a lot of the younger siblings kept wanting to get on camera and see what was going on. So that teacher built in once a week at the end of the period, five minutes where the younger siblings could come join the class. So, you know, it was like not much mysterious anymore, but the younger siblings could become part of it. Um, and the kids really liked that. And so I actually have a friend whose daughter's in first grade and has a four-year-old and they now allow the four-year-old to come in for a couple minutes because they want to join in. So those were kind of cool. Um, and then two other ones that I can think of, and this is one my son's teacher did. He said, you know, I didn't really get to meet anybody. We did a drive-by, you waved, and that was about it. And he said, I feel like I'm missing that connection with the students and the families. So he did breakfast with Beasley. So on a Sunday morning, he set up one hour on Zoom. We could bring whatever we wanted to eat. And then he did some different structured things with us, gave us a little bit more information about our class, but he just made it fun. And I think that's that's the big one. And then the last one, which also ties kind of into academics as well, if you're using something like Zoom, um, a lot of our secondary teachers say, you know, when it's independent seat work, we're kind of afraid the kids are going to like turn their camera off and not come back or not do their work. So this particular teacher um, tells them to leave the camera on. It's independent work time, but gives them options. So she sets up Zoom rooms. If you want to be independent, you don't want help from anybody, you go to your own Zoom room. If you want to work with a peer, you say, I want to work with a peer. She pairs them up and she puts them in peer Zoom groups. And then she stays in the main room and anybody that wants help or just wants to have someone there in case they've got questions, they stay in the main room. So she's got these and the students get choices. So she's helping to build relationships with her. She's helping to build relationships with the peers. So lots of different, um, I think, teaching components, reinforcement components, and just social have fun. Those are fabulous. And I really particularly like the one with the older student with the younger sibling. Um, we see so much, even in some of our mentoring programs, the kids, the younger kids love to do things with the older kids and the older mm -hmm. kids always get just as much out of it, if not more than working with the younger kids or their younger siblings. So I love though, you've described the breakout rooms to foster, especially at the secondary level. Mm -hmm. So those are fabulous. So thinking about, those are all great tier one strategies, mm -hmm. thinking about um, tier two and tier three. I know this, as a matter of fact, this morning, I even received an email regarding um, check in, check out in a remote mm -hmm. environment and questions about collecting data and, and things like that. So our schools are asking us, how can you really reach kids at the, at the upper tiers? Or do you have any suggestions for that? I know check in, check out has come up specifically for me with some of the folks I coach, but what kind of things are you seeing or what do you suggest for those that those tier and tier two and three supports? So one of the first things we know is that we, when we're talking about tier two and tier three supports is identifying which students need those supports. And it might be a little bit more difficult to do it virtually. So one of the school districts I work with when it was purely virtual um, at the end of last school year, the beginning of the school year, they have what they call a daily check-in for the students like twice a week. So they had a whole list of questions that the schools could choose from things like, 
Even things like, how is your technology at home? Are you able to access it? Um, they occasionally, are you getting enough food to eat? Um, so lots of different questions. What was one thing you've done recently to socialize with a peer? And so the kids would enter, enter that in, um, in a Google form, and then it went to a spreadsheet. And then at that district, each school team had a, the school-based leadership team would review that to see if there were certain patterns for certain students that might need some additional supports. And that was based on student responses. Then the second thing they did is they had a teacher kind of form, where if a teacher is noticing, like say, for example, Heidi hasn't been coming to school regularly, or we noticed that her um, hasn't been turning to work, then a teacher could also fill that out and it went in and those were monitored and that's how they started to look at which students might need some additional supports. Um, one high school even did it where they then looked at the student and said, okay, Heidi is maybe our student who we need to reach out to, who at our school has a good relationship already with Heidi. So they made sure that the adult that was connecting with the student already had a relationship because if it's a stranger, you're not likely to probably open up or respond as well. Right. So that was their first process for kind of identifying students in need. Then the second thing we've seen some schools do is some of their school counselors um, have done a couple of things. Some of them have done like a Canvas or Google Teams or whatever platform you use, but a module around SEL and mental health. And so the kids go through self-paced I've seen others do the same thing, but they have set times where the kids can check in. Um, we had optional for my son, they offered it twice, they had optional check-ins with the school counselor. So you could structure it that way where there's a set time that the students who need those supports checks in, whether it's a school counselor or a mentor, um, to get those skills that they need. Um, if they're being taught replacement social skills, if they're being taught coping mechanisms, whatever we would teach for tier two. Now with check-in, check-out, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on that one because there's a whole document on um, the PBIS website, pbis.org, I'll give Heidi the link. And it really breaks down how you can do check-in, check-out virtually. Um, for data collection, a lot of the schools have still used the same check-in, check-out form, and they can either do self-monitoring, the student rates, um, the adult, if they're online all day, the adult can tell them what, or if they were the parent, and they're doing a lot of their work with the parent and not like via Zoom, it's self-paced and the parent can rate them. And they do that as well. Um, one of the, so that's a lot for tier two. So for tier three, one of the coolest things, one of the behavior specialists I work with did was she sat down and she made a personal call for all students who are receiving tier three supports and ask the parent what was their biggest concern behaviorally at home learning online, because she knew that the behavior intervention plans developed did not translate to home. And so she helped them set up structures and routines. So like, what should the day look like? When should the students get breaks? How do they know if they get breaks? How to help them with, so she really helped them with all that classroom management stuff, but how it looks like at home. So um, one of the parents just wanted to develop some expectations and rules. So she helped them with that. Another one wanted to know when they should give breaks to their child throughout the day. So she built some of that stuff. So it was very individualized for each family. And she checked in with them once a week. Um, and then the other thing she did, especially for her secondary students, she discovered real quickly that a lot of them were not passing because they struggled with the self-paced online. 
So she got enrolled, they used Canvas. So she got enrolled in every student's Canvas course so she could monitor their grades. When they got below a C in a class, she would reach out to the teacher and she would say, hi, Miss Smith, Johnny is failing your class. He's in your third period um, geometry class. What is one assignment he could do today or finish in the next day or two that would help bring his grade up closer to that C? So then she would chunk it out and she would contact the family and say, okay, this is what Johnny needs to do and focus on for geometry. Yes, there's 25 assignments he's missing, but this is the one we're going to focus in on. He would get that one done, submit it. She would ask the teacher again, okay, what's the next assignment? So the kids were feeling kind of overwhelmed. Like there's all these things I haven't done and they didn't know how to get out of that. Um, and so that's a, a couple of things she did for her students that needed that more intensive behavioral supports and actually academic too. That chunking is such a great idea because I think you're so right. I think the teachers as well as the students are overwhelmed. <clears throat> and when you see lists of things or things that you have to get done, it seems almost um, insurmountable really. So chunking it out like that, I think is such a great idea. And, and I think your, your response regarding um, how the behavior goals or the behavior plans don't really translate. It's so interesting to me that as we talk with schools, kids uh, who are on remote instruction, sometimes their behaviors are, what they were struggling with in school kind of disappear or we're seeing new behaviors occur because it's a different environment. So I think it's really important, as you say, to maintain those relationships and talk to wh whomever's walk working with the student because things uh, may not look the same as they did in the brick and mortar. I, I really, I find that to be really, really interesting. You know, Heidi, you just brought up a point about how sometimes we see some new behaviors online we haven't seen in the classroom. And so I know that some teachers will, I'll just put them on mute or I'll take them off camera. So they're not having that participation. And right. one of the schools said, well, that's not really engaging them. They wanted to think something different. So they have a system set up. If there is that demonstration of behavior, they actually put them in um, their own breakout room. They contact administration. Administration joins that student in the breakout room and goes through the restorative practices questions. And then when they're done, they have them rejoin the classroom and then they conference with the teacher and that student to go through the, the responses that the student gave. So what if they're yeah. getting that. And I thought that was wonderful. That is fabulous. And it's in real time and it's using the restorative questions and it's, addressing the child's needs right at that time and then they can join back you can join the zoom or whatever back with the rest of the class so i think that's that's a fabulous use of the the uh, breakout rooms i think that's great mm -hmm. so any other um you're kind of previewing my next question to you which is great it was a great segue um that's one thing you've seen as far as the restorative practices i know we were lucky enough to have you in at state support team eight and work with our teams with doing that whole continuum of restorative practices. Um, probably it's almost seems like almost a year ago. Are there any other things besides what you just shared uh, that address restorative practices or using those kinds of um, practices go anywhere from that conversation or, or circles in the remote environment? I know that's kind of another difficult translation into the remote environment. What are you seeing as far as restorative practices are concerned? So we've seen actually several schools be very successful in using circles um, during remote learning, but most of the circles they use are community building. 
Um, especially when you've got new students or if you've got students who've transitioned to middle school from elementary school and they really don't know anybody. So they will start like once a week. Um, they'll just do a circle within it. And so you think, well, how do you do that remotely? So what's great about if you're using a platform like Zoom or Teams or any of those, they have the raise the hand. They also have um, whiteboards so you can draw on those or make notes on them so the kids get the opportunity that way. We've also seen, since you don't really have a talking stick, where um, you pass it to a friend. So the kids can see everybody on the camera and I can say, okay, I now I'm passing it to my friend Heidi. And then Heidi answers. Heidi says, I'm passing my friend Stacy. Um, and then the teacher can kind of note who has and who hasn't been called on. And it's like, okay, um, we still have our friends, Stephanie and Jason, let's call on them next. And so they pass it that way. I've also seen it where the teacher does the passing. So then that way they just follow the images on the screen. Cause I know depending on how your screen set up, the images aren't always the same. Right. So that's how they do that passing. Um, I've also seen things where you can do really interactive so this was an example actually from a group of high school students that talked about how they were doing their circles remotely. So we practice before the step in, step out. So if you agree with something, you step in and you step out. Instead, they did stand up, sit down. So for example, if someone said, you know, I really like snow. If you really like snow, stand up and the kids would stand up. Or if I really like to listen to country music, they would stand up. And so that way there was that community building, or you could just raise your hand and unraise your hand. But it really got some activity and movement going in with it. Um, you can also do just some fun community building things. So for example, um, I've seen it where they do scavenger hunts. So you have a list of items that are commonly found in home, toilet paper, maybe not so much at this point, but um, <laughs> we had those issues, a fork, you know, so basic things, maybe a stuffed animal, um, you know, your students pick things that you know that they like and interest and they say, okay, go find a stuffed animal, go find something purple and the kids run and come back and then they bring and they get to show what they found. And so just a lot of community building by doing those. Um, another thing I've seen when students do struggle with the having behavior, some behavioral issues during Zoom type face meetings or even um, independent work Again, with this restorative questions, if you don't have a person that can automatically go to a breakout room, I've seen it where they give that assignment, the student fills it out in the breakout room, the restorative questions, um, and then they just have a scheduled time with the teacher to go over it. It okay. works best when you have that third person to facilitate, but if you don't have it, then that's another feature. Um, you know, another nice feature of doing this remotely is sometimes we have families at home that can get involved. So if you do need to do that restorative chat, there's been a couple of times where they invite the parent if they want to participate in that as well. And so they're able to do some of those um, during that time. When we're in this time of remote learning and we're on the computer so long during the day, those, the community building, but in addition to that, it's a benefit for the brain break. You know, I, I know I can't sit in a meeting for hours on, on end without having some break in time and, and, and movement or something. So in addition to that, that community building and relationship building, I love the idea that it's a brain break from what you're working on. The screen time is just, there's so much screen time these days with the, with the remote settings. 
So you shared with us, Stephanie, um, a resource uh, that is check and check out in the remote. Uh, you had referenced that in the remote environment. Are there any other resources that you'd like to share with folks listening uh, that can help during this time? Um, um, Heidi's going to put on a link. We at the Florida PBIS Project do have lots of different webinars and resources we've put together to help with remote learning. So she'll put that on there. There's several chats and documents around that. But the other one I wanted to mention also comes from the Technical Assistance Center for PBIS. It's a document called Returning to School During and After Crisis. Within that document, they have strategies for district, they've got strategies for state learners, and they've got strategies for teachers. One of my favorite um, features of it, on starting on page nine, is um, a figure where they have five critical practices to support students' social, emotional, behavior, and academic growth. And one of those is connections and supports. A second one is supports. And to me, those are the things about building relationships. And then there's a huge table further down in the document that gives you strategies as a classroom teacher on how to do connection and support. So it's very interactive. It's very friendly. It's a table. It's one of my favorite resources during this time to reference. PBIS.org has done a lot of great, there's a lot of great things on that website. And that is, that's a really good one for this re returning after a crisis. Mm -hmm. it, it is, a, it's a great resource. So is there anything else that you would like to add to our conversation today? I know we covered a lot as far as some tier one strategies, mm -hmm. some tier two strategies, some tier three strategies for remote learners. You talked a little bit about what you're seeing as far as restorative practices go in a virtual environment. Anything else you'd like to add to our conversation today? I think the last thing I like to say is it is a difficult time. So all of the strategies that we, we shared, think about how you can do the same thing with your staff. So if you're having a staff meeting, starting with a fun question, I actually was on a Zoom call yesterday um, and they asked us if you were to leave education completely, had nothing to do with education at all, nothing to do with teaching, nothing to do with schools, what would be another career that you would wanna do? And you can take off the stipulations of extra schooling and all that, what would be something you would wanna do? And I've always wanted to work for the Food Network and be one of those judges. You know, you watch the show like Chopped or Nailed It and you get to try the food and judge. Um, so that was kind of a fun one. Um, one of the gentlemen said he always wanted to be a screenwriter and write movie scripts. Oh, wow. So you get to learn a lot. So just like with the students do the same thing, the um, school that did the, the check-in for the students, they also did check-in for staff. So staff could reach out personally or another staff member because I'm really concerned about so-and-so and, and do some check-in. And their school social workers does a support group online for the teachers if you just want to drop in if you feel like you need some supports. So, you know, whatever we're doing for our students, I think we need to do for our staff. And even including those fun things. So one of the... Um, schools I know of did a always did this what they called turkey hunt right before Thanksgiving and they had images of turkeys hidden around the school and if the teacher found it then they would get a coupon for a free pie at a local restaurant they wanted to continue that tradition so they had to think about how can we do it differently and they did it virtually um, so just like with whatever we say for the students I think we need to be doing that for our staff and I think the last thing is we need to be forgiving of our students and our staff right now and taking care of their social emotional needs. And I shared with someone this morning, you know, 
my son's getting his academics, but what I'm more concerned about this year is getting his social emotional behavior needs met. And that's my biggest concern. I want him to enjoy school this year, like it to make it better for next year. So it's okay to take the time to focus on those needs for our staff and our students. Right. Right. And I think it's, it's so important, as you mentioned, that we focused a lot in this series on students so far, but it's critical that, you know, our staff is supported because without their support and their strength, we would really have no system for the students or, or, you know, to come to. So I think it's really, really important and being forgiving. I think we all have to give ourselves a break during this time. It's, it's been a difficult time and hopefully it won't last forever. I think maybe we're seeing the other side of it now, but I think you're absolutely right, Stephanie, that we need to just, we have to have some grace and give each other a break and, and, and really support those social emotional needs of the adults and the students in our, in our uh, world. So uh, I'd like to really thank you today, Stephanie, for spending some time with us and talking about reaching our remote learners. We call our podcast Eight with Eight. We would like to wrap up this episode by asking you a question. And we're asking all of our interviewees this question. And that is, if you only had eight minutes with a child, what would you do to build that relationship? That is a good one. And I, and I really thought about that a lot. And, and I think the first thing I would think of is I would try to find something that would give me insight to the interest for the child. So for example, if it's a high school student and they are carrying a backpack and is a keychain for like the Statue of Liberty, or they are wearing a t-shirt that has a particular band on it. Little kids, you know, if they've got a favorite, like you can see some of our kids always dress in pink. So I try to find something already to make that connection of what their interests are. Um, sometimes you don't know, you just might have to ask. But the other thing is I would let them lead kind of the conversation instead of me being the adult always talking. Cause I think a lot of times um, we talk more than the kids. So I would try to do that. Um, let them take that lead. But I would also focus things not around school because they get so much about school and academics that I would try to find connections with them about things outside of school um, and then build it that way and kind of let them guide the direction. So, you know, some kids like to talk. If it's a, a student who really likes a specific sport, hey, let's go play, like shoot the basketball for a couple minutes and just have a conversation that way. If they like to color, they like anime, maybe do that. Um, if we're all into YouTube and they have a favorite YouTuber, hey, here's my phone. Show me your favorite YouTuber. Let's watch the video together. So I really let them take that lead of what interests them. And again, not around school, not around academics. I think that's a great place to stop and end with that thought. And thanks again for joining us today. You're welcome. And that's it for this deep dive episode of 8 with 8. Thank you so much to our great guest, Stephanie Martinez, for giving us so many ways to reach remote learners during this challenging time. I really liked how she talked about being intentional in finding students who need additional social emotional support beyond what's available in tier one instruction. And for those of our administrator listeners, weren't those some great ideas about how to engage and support staff? If you'd like to learn more, head over to our website, sst8.org slash podcast.aspx. Stephanie referenced some great resources from pbis.org that we've linked to this episode, season one, episode four. 
Thank you for joining us on 8 with 8, and we hope you join us next time as we delve into the importance of positive staff-to-staff relationships. Because as our teammate Stephanie Denham always says, teamwork makes the dream work.